The glory days are here to stay The 80s horror show Take a stroll down memory's lane It's time to start the show the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and early 1990s. The world is burning. I look out my window this morning and there's ash falling from the sky. Loyal listeners, what is happening? This morning, quite literally, I got up out of bed to feed my cats, like I do, get in the shower, like I do, and when I came out... What's that smell? I smell fire. I smell something burning. And so I'm going around the house. Did I leave something on? Is that the heater? What's going on? I, I never find anything. I get my clothes on, I go out the door, and oh my god! God, not since like two, early 2000s with that big giant fire when I was in elementary school have I seen the sky orange and haze everywhere and my car covered in ash. What is happening? Ladies and gentlemen, loyal listeners of the gory days, welcome. My name is Kyle Leone, of course, here sitting in my tin can of a recording studio in Los Angeles, California, closer than you might think to the Ventura Hills that are ablaze today. We've got both sides of the valley on fire. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I certainly don't know why I'm bringing it up now. It has nothing to do with the movie I picked today. It just seemed like a nice topical thing. No, Listen, great. well, we're, we're doing something um, unusual. We're, we're recording this mere hours before it's getting to your ear holes uh, because yes. I have a fantastic guest here who is hard to pin down. He's got a <laughs> shifting schedule. I've been trying to get him in here for weeks and only now, finally, tonight, am I able to get him in here. You know him from YouTube. Finally, here in the studio on the gory days, you know him, you love him. Danny J. Padilla. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? That was an well. amazing intro, by the way. Oh. I actually just sat in complete silence because I just wanted to give you the honor you deserve for that intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it's great to be here. I apologize for the... Uh, Ma uh, multiple rescheduling. You're so busy. Like You're so important. You're a big fancy <laughs> LA YouTuber. No, seriously. Works, like, is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's that's kind of what it's been like. I mean, I, I've been trying to balance music and YouTube. Um, kind of, they're two different worlds in which I feel like I'm almost kind of like competing with people who do it full time, and I'm kind of trying to do part time for each of them almost. But uh, overall, it's definitely something that I really enjoy. But um, obviously, it's it's definitely a grind, especially because I have to kind of make my own schedule, which I think is a big thing. That did I, I did I forget to say? I said you. YouTuber, I'm sorry, you're also oh, no, no, a musician. No. Totally fine. They kind of go singer songwriter. A lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's YouTube the musician personality, all that kind of stuff. Thanks for yeah. complimenting me on my intro. What's the yeah. full intro for you? Oh, my intro. Actor, Hi. singer, dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's a YouTube YouTube musician um, and personality. Usually is what I say. Um, Danny Padilla, uh, I like to make people smile and give big old hugs, even though a lot of my music's really sad. <laughs> I yeah. noticed that. Yeah. I was watching a lot of your videos leading yeah. up to today, and I've noticed a lot of them are pretty sad. Yeah. It seems like your users or your uh, listeners respond to that, though. Yeah, totally. I think it's just because I, I really like to grasp, uh, like, I like to show the entire emotional spectrum of a human, because I think a lot of people definitely try and go towards specifically, like, comedy only, and they don't really, they don't show their entire you know, humaneness, I guess, you know, or humanity is the correct term. Um, yeah, and uh, I personally just am really interested in, in showing both, I guess, and I'm not really going to shy away, you know. That's interesting yeah. you say that, because I never would have thought about it until you mentioned it, that YouTubers kind of have an example of TV personalities and maybe even, you know, uh, talk show hosts yeah. and things to pigeonhole themselves into one category. They're right. a comedian, they're a so singer or... Yeah. 
um, maybe they're a singer and a comedian. But, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, they're not going to branch over into maybe the more depressive emotions that they feel or things. <laughs> right. Unless maybe it's a whole, their YouTube page is about slice of life, like they just yeah, yeah. Uh, do slice of life uh, videos. Totally. Um, so do you find that is uh, people respond more to that than the others, like Flula Borg, who's yeah, like, yeah, 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 I know right. exactly what I'm getting when yeah, I watch yeah. this video. Danny yeah. posted a video. Is it going to be sad? Is it going to be happy? Yeah, is it going to be yeah. silly? Right. Or a mixture of both. Um, yeah, I think like, because the thing is, I've always wanted wanted people to kind of care more about me as a person in kind of a 360 sense rather than just caring about the content I'm able to create. Because um, I think that it's really um, what's, what's, I don't know how to like go about even saying this, but like, yeah, like uh, I, I, I know a lot of people on the internet who particularly do try and get their entire personality out there, including myself, for the sake of just getting people to kind of see you as a full human being. I think like, I don't know, because the big goal a lot of times is to get people on, you know, Twitter and uh, Facebook, Instagram to follow you. And, the re- and a lot of times they'll want to follow you as a person if they know kind of all aspects of you. you right. Know? And you actually seem like a real life human being to them, you know, which is why I try and portray every single thing, you know. Um, because like, there's no single person who's always upbeat. There's no single person who's always sad. There's no, well, that one's easier to do than upbeat. But yeah, uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I just, I like being the most realistic because I think that some stuff can be a little bit hyperbolized on YouTube. So no, absolutely. I definitely try and uh, keep it real. And, uh, my music usually is sad, I think, because it, that's like usually when I want to songwrite, I guess, is when I'm sad and when I'm happy, I want to go out and party with friends and stuff. So yeah, so I write about the sad stuff. Yeah, I feel like that comes from the celebrity culture that these yeah. people, I mean, not to point fingers or yeah. say anything, but it seems from the outside looking in that it's a uh, uh, climbing to the celebrity plateau sure. that um, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, Jessica Biel. I'm not uh, uh, Taylor Swift. I'm yeah. not these big people who just got a magic wand waved and yeah. they got their careers laid out for them. I have yeah. to make it. I have to do it myself. Yeah, totally. Um, and so it seems like there's an uh, a compulsion to only want to put out your best self at right. all times. Totally, yeah. And, you know, celebrity culture, the other side of that is like National Enquirer or People Magazine where yes. they show the dark side of yeah. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's relationship that totally. you would never ordinarily know because they yeah. don't talk about it because right, that's right, not right. interesting. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... I actually think it's more interesting to find out the the i don't know it just makes you look more like a legitimate person and i think it allows people on the internet to be able to identify with you because yeah. i think a big thing is trying to be relatable and i don't know like how people feel like they're relatable if they only are always upbeat you know or something like that because especially yeah or if they're always playing a character yeah totally yeah so i don't know i think it's a it's a big insider and um i think what's great too is that on youtube it feels like you're being exposed specifically to um, a target audience of people that actually might be struggling a little bit because I find that a lot of big, big, big YouTube fans are people who in like real life are not necessarily um, very adept socially or are, you know, kind of struggling to find, you know, fit in in real life and find friends. Um, so they actually go to YouTube to, you know, kind of find their friends, you know, and these people who post about their lives all the time like me. It's like you kind of feel like you're living vicariously through their life and that you're friends, even though it's kind of a one-sided relationship. Gotcha. But, yeah. But it's interesting, and it's kind of cool, though, because it means that you can kind of help out the people that might necessarily need the help and, you know, who feel like they're struggling. So, so yeah. I want to talk about more about what you do and your experience, but for people who aren't uh, familiar with you, uh, wh- who are you? What, what, where can people find you? What do you do? Right. What is your... Totally. So uh, I'm Danny Padilla. Um, Padilla, it's like quesadilla, but with puh. 
I don't know. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, I'm on YouTube mostly. Um, I think YouTube's kind of my main platform. I have like 183,000 subscribers on there or something, which is kind of cool. I've kind of amassed that following from a series of different types of videos. Um, I kind of started in the in the cover world because I'd seen a lot of my uh, friends and a lot of people doing a lot of cover songs on YouTube, and uh, I, as a musician, kind of wanted to get into that. But then I kind of uh, got a little bit of a claim for a video concept I had with uh, our mutual friend, uh, Mason Sperling, where we... Uh, we would cover songs, but we would do it live, and we'd try and mess the other person up by holding up signs that had impersonations and accents on them. So um, I guess the the fact that it was kind of impromptu and we were clearly messing up, but some of the impersonations weren't that bad, I guess. Um, the video concept went like semi-viral, and uh, that's where I got a lot of my following from. And then I started posting a little bit more of a vlog content, as you'd call it, where it's a lot more talking to the camera and a lot more stuff like that, because I think I ended up enjoying making that type of content a little bit more. So yeah, and that's what I've been doing. Um, but then along with that, I've been releasing a bunch of original music, which I've had some um, success with. Um, I don't know if you knew recently uh, about uh, Taylor Swift. Um, she released a playlist on Spotify of like her favorite songs right now, and one of my songs was on there. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. When so did that happen? That was uh, September 29th. I oh, feel man. so weird for knowing the exact date, but uh, I mean, it was a pretty pivotal day because I think it was just a really big, um, you know, because I think, well, in, in, in the entertainment industry, you kind of get a lot of people saying like yes or no to your career almost whether or not they they promote what you're doing i guess and uh with taylor swift liking my music i think it was just like a huge yes for me you know um and i felt like i kind of needed to win at that point so it was really nice um yeah and it resulted in a few hundred thousand more streams and uh, i can't help but think that maybe she knows the words to my song you know stuff like that so it was really cool it was a nice little thing yeah but uh she ends up i guess she loves it so yeah so how do you stay grounded when something like that happens? How do you not let yourself... Ugh. I mean, she's she's a celebrity, yeah, and she yeah, picked right. you. How do you not yeah. let your head float away know, into the yeah. clouds? She is the biggest female artist, I think, in the world right now. So I well, don't know. Now that I mean, Adele or you know, maybe, with yeah, her hubby. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's because... I, I, I stay more humble about that because I also... Uh, I don't know. For that one, I tried to keep my expectations down. Like, I didn't really expect, like, oh, I'm just going to be famous now. Like, I am famous because Taylor Swift likes my music, you know? Um... I don't know. I think it, it'll always be a humbling experience. I'll always love, especially meeting people in real life. Um, after those videos went big, um, the impersonation uh, covers, um, we would, you know, at our university or the university that I went to, um, we would, anytime I would go to the dining commons, uh, people would want to take photos and stuff. And it was a really cool experience. Um, and I don't know. I just, I don't ever want to take that for granted because I, you know, it, it's such a great thing that and like people are taking time out of their lives to show appreciation to me and my stuff and I just can't imagine um, anyone really getting tired of it, honestly. No, I've known know, you yeah. for a while. You mentioned that uh, we went to the same university, yes. and I've known you as the kind of person that uh, is always just kind of humble and is always oh, kind of brushing you. compliments off, even as they're being <laughs> like given to you by complete strangers, sure, which yeah. in any other realm would make my, for instance, head yeah. get really big yeah, and make sure. me think like, oh, well, suddenly I deserve to be known at Subway. And why <laughs> right, don't they yeah, have yeah. my order memorized? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. I think it's almost to a fault sometimes that I feel like I deflect compliments and stuff like that. But I, I understand that, though. I don't I don't really know where it comes from, though. I, Time's I, for I, your I, therapist to decide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't necessarily explain where it comes from, but uh, I definitely am glad that people seem to think that I'm, you know, humble about it. So, so great, you're yeah. able to make a living off this at this point, right? Do you have a yeah. day job? Uh, I, I drive Lyft to make ends meet. Okay. I am a, an official Lyft driver. Um, but typically my revenue typically comes from, uh, song sales, ad revenue and brand integrations. Anytime I work with a brand to, uh, promote their product. Like what? Or, um, 
so for example, uh, sometimes I'll, uh, anytime I integrate a brand into a video, um, so I'll kind of give them like a shout out. Like, uh, for example, I did one uh, recently with Best Fiends, which is like an app uh, yeah. game. Um, that, like, the slug Alan... one, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the, yeah. It's actually a pretty good game. I really enjoy it. Um, but uh, I, I was paid to Five promote... bucks in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was basically paid to promote uh, Best Fiends in my content, and, uh, the, and the company who developed Best Fiends um, just pays me for that because they're paying for my audience. Nice. Um, yeah, and it's even, they pay you even better if you do social media posts on your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of a, a thing that happens. And sometimes I get these weird um, things from my, my, I guess my YouTube management team where they'll give me opportunities. Like I once went to like a Latin American music festival for like eight hours between two different days and got paid like five grand just to do that. Just to be there? <laughs> yeah, just to be there and post about it and kind of go around and experience it. Wow. So, yeah, that's my Latin American-ness uh, paying off. Yeah. So you mentioned that uh, it was one viral video that just kind of made yeah. this happen up yeah. until then you were a full-time student at yes. a university getting a major for right. a career to get yeah. a nine-to-five desk job do you <laughs> miss mean, exactly. that um, is that something you want uh, uh is this I something mean, that's been thrust on you that you're enjoying but isn't yeah it? I, I i'm really enjoying it i think um i don't think i can really see myself do uh, pursuing a career in anything that doesn't have music involved with it. Um, the closest thing I could see to actually implementing my economics degree is maybe something in the music business world uh, or like the entertainment business world. But um, like I'd love to maybe manage artists, but I think in order to be able to be okay with managing artists, I have to first try it myself. Because I think if, if not for that, then I think I would totally just be jealous of the people I'm managing the whole time. Okay. Because <laughs> I would think like, oh, well, I wanted to do that. That's interesting. But, yeah. So do you see this experience as becoming an artist YouTube sensation mm-hmm. slash musician as a stepping stone, a learning experience to when you can take yourself under your wing somewhere down the line? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly plan on pursuing music to its fullest. I want to be my own artist. I want to be, you know, a singer-songwriter. I want to be um, as big as I can be in that realm. Um, and then bring other people up with me, which is actually kind of interesting. I've always kind of had the dream of being able to help my homies out if anyone's ever in need. So Has anyone taken you under their wing? Has anyone helped you out? Uh, a little bit. Um, I had a friend, uh, I don't know if you know Tyler Ward. He's kind of a big YouTube musician, uh, celebrity friend of mine. Um, we went on tour back in 2015, and uh, he kind of was an older brother figure kind of telling me how it goes in, in this world. And it was cool being on tour with him, uh, performing for a few hundred people every single night. It, it great, seems yeah. particularly important because of how young the quote unquote, I guess it's an industry. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. quote unquote industry, but yeah. no, it's an industry. Mm-hmm. And it's so young that the people who could be mentors are in their 20s, yeah, maybe totally. early 30s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just depends on like, yeah, I mean, I've seen people who are experts at like the YouTube sphere at like 21 years old. Yeah. Specifically because you can kind of get started on YouTube. And that's kind of the beauty of it is you can kind of get started whenever you want. As a kid. Yeah. There yeah. are kids kids who have YouTube channels yeah. who have tons of followers. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. Almost to a fault, though. I think it's probably kind of a... It, it might even it's a be... creepy. Like, no, yeah, it's a little <laughs> creepy. It's also probably not great to be that popular at that age. Exactly. Because you know? that think does mess with you. Yeah, totally. It's the whole Justin Bieber thing. Honestly. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, every now and then you'll see a like Justin Bieber lookalike who has... 500,000 followers and yeah. all of his videos are his hair flipping or yeah, something yeah, like that yeah, and you yeah. go what's going definitely, on you can tell he's probably it's probably getting to his head and I can imagine even if I were you know 14 year old Danny there's no way I could like if every girl my age like wanted me which is kind of what Justin Bieber had to deal with you know yeah. had to deal with and look with, what happened so, to him like, yeah yeah, yeah. like he, there are definitely some negative psychologies to fame that people don't talk about and I'm pretty adamant that I feel like you should probably not get like famous well you can't like choose this but like it'd be great if you weren't famous until at least like 18 plus you know yeah yeah because I think when you're a kid, you just don't really 
I think you're just born and raised thinking that the world kind of revolves around you. And mm-hmm. it's not great because I don't think it, yeah, I don't think you become, it's not a humbling experience whatsoever, you know? Yeah. yeah so, so really quick, where can people find you? Where if people want to, her blurb just now and went, yeah. oh, wow, I didn't know about this guy. Yeah, where yeah, I find totally. him? Um, uh, YouTube.com slash Danny Padilla, uh, D-A-N-N-Y-P-A-D-I-L-L-A. L-L-A. I said that too fast. Uh, yeah, like the double L's in Spanish. Um, Don't worry. We'll be sure to put it in the yeah, uh, description. In the description. Great. Um, yeah, and then uh, Instagram's Danny J. Padilla, because I, I need to get rid of that J, though. What does it stand for? Joseph is my middle name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose, but my mom was like, nope, we need it to be, yeah. My Mexican dad wanted Jose. My Norwegian mom wanted Joseph. Is so. this an exclusive? Have you done this on any other interview? Have you already uh, revealed your middle? Uh, people might know my middle name, but they don't know the backstory of, like, my dad wanted Ooh, to be Jose. Ooh, exclusive! I know, yeah, exclusive. Exclusive! For yeah, the gory yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, for the gory days. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So it stands for Joseph. Um, but yeah, I could have been a DJ all my life. Like literally my name would could be DJ if I wanted it to be, but I just never chose to be. Um, but yeah, um, Danny J. Padilla, Danny Padilla on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, YouTube's my main platform if you want to actually see what I look like and what I sound like and what I... Well, you know what I sound like, but uh, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but so, maybe yeah. what your singing voice yeah, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like and that. And maybe what you look like when you're crying. Yeah, yeah, and when I'm crying, yeah. I've probably cried in a couple of videos on YouTube. Or yeah. at least acting like you're crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty convincing to me. I know, yeah. I've had... I think I've cried once legitimately on YouTube. Maybe twice. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> So, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be delving into the movie uh, that we watched this week, and then a little bit of our analysis, and finally, what we thought about it, our rating, when we come back to the Gory Days. The Gory Days! Welcome back to the Gory Days. Kyle Leone here, my guest, Danny Padilla, and the movie we watched this week was The Slumber Party Massacre. (laughs) Is this the first time you'd seen this movie? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I haven't necessarily delved into my 80s film. Yeah, wait, I'm sorry. What's your relationship to horror? Do you like horror movies? I do. I actually really enjoy horror movies. Um, I usually watch the more modern stuff, but it was nice to actually kind of go back and see, you know, what was considered, you know, horror back then and and, and scary back then, you know, in particular, um, because obviously cinematography and filming and stuff is just so much more insane nowadays than it definitely was back then in the 80s as far as what they're able to do realistically and stuff like that. But um, I really actually enjoyed it. But um, Honestly? I, I, Are you just finding things, no, no, no. nice well, things no, no, to no. say? I, I enjoyed it. I don't know. Do you usually slam all the movies that <laughs> no, you watch? No, I'm just yeah. asking. Like, no, if no, that's no. really, if you really feel, oh, old movies, blah, but... Um, I... Well, I think horror is interesting because I think a lot of it is how you, like, is is how realistic you can make it seem, or how because you have to kind of be able to actually scare people, you know, with with the with the film itself. And uh, whereas, like, I think uh, movies like eighties movies, like uh, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where it's it's like something where you don't it, like. I think it is it's easier to portray what's going on, and you don't have to because. I don't know, I feel like horror movies kind of revolve around being able to scare the audience member, but also have a storyline as well. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes, yeah. So Um, what makes a horror movie scary to you? I don't know. I mean, obviously jump scares are kind of a thing, but I think in particular... uh, So like specifically to Danny. Oh, to me specifically. um, I, I really... Anything that's kind of about like spirits and ghosts and stuff, like I kind of have a hard time... uh, I don't know, my brain does this thing where I I don't... I can't always decipher... um, between like reality and what I've seen in films and stuff, so I think anytime like uh like for example like Paranormal Activity, I can't hang with Paranormal Activity because it's way too close to home. Um, there are a lot of films like like The Conjuring and stuff like that where 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 they exist in places where I totally wouldn't visit 
so it's kind of a little bit less like I would actually experience this in real life. Like, uh, oh, yes, like a clearly haunted uh, house in the middle of Virginia. Yeah, like know, the Amityville like Horror, forest. where it's yeah. a very specific location yeah, or hostile, yeah. where it's yeah. Eastern Europe. I'm yeah. not in Eastern Europe. Right, I'm right, safe. Right. Totally, yeah. Whereas uh, Paranormal Activity really got to me because it was in a bunch of suburban homes. It was in, like, Ojai. Yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, it was just way more. And the fact that they used actual cameras and or, like, like security cameras and stuff like that. Um got to me a lot more. I think uh, I actually realized this recently, but anytime there's an actual villain, I per- personally enjoy when the villain doesn't talk. I think specifically because I find it way less scary when they actually start talking. You uh, must have enjoyed why. most of this villain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't talk until the very end. <laughs> until right until, some weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, then he yeah. gets really weird. Yeah, yeah. But okay. um, overall, I, I really, really, really love horror movies. But which, spirits, yeah, uh, supernatural. That's yeah, what's... specifically supernatural for some reason um, because I kind of have like a... I, I'm kind of on the fence about whether or not I like believe in supernatural and like I was waiting I'm waiting for like a moment in which I, I actually like get a yes or a no I'm almost like a like agnostic for, <laughs> okay. for, yeah yeah um, and what I was uh, gonna mention earlier is that uh, I visited last night with a friend uh, the Devil's Gate which um, ties into horror because basically it scared the shit out of me but um, basically it's a place in Pasadena where it's it's an actual gate that they call the Devil's Gate because there's a rock sculpture kind of next to it that almost looks like Satan's face. Oh my god! Uh, or Satan's head almost, and and uh, the gate itself looks terrifying. Um, but it's it's something that apparently um people try and visit at night. Um, but apparently there have been a lot of Satanist culture or like Satanist like uh, rituals being held um at this gate and stuff like that. And people who just hike down there sometimes like stumble upon these uh rituals, <laughs> which is really interesting. Like they do sacrifices down there and stuff. Did like you that. see anything? No. Um. We we like got way too freaked out because there was nobody around, and uh, it was one of the first, like, the few moments in life where I've ever felt like I was being watched. Oh god! Which is, like, a- it was actually terrifying. Like, no one was around. Well, was no one black, was right? around, quote unquote. Yeah, it was pitch black. Um, all we had was one headlamp, and I was trying to vlog it, trying to, you know, I brought my camera around, and uh, it was actually unbelievably terrifying. Um, we didn't get quite up next to the gate, um, and I think I would have actually just straight up shit myself if I was actually, <laughs> like, I, because I, I think that would have been, like, a, like, I would have found a reason to think that there were, like, it was haunted, or there were spirits, or whatever there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, like, freaked me the hell out, but, um, I, I, yeah, I'm planning on going back during the day, though. <laughs> Are you religious? Uh, you know I am. Me asking? I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I identify as Christian, um, which I thought was, that was why I think it was a little bit more interesting for me to actually see what pe- a lot of people actually consider to be a gate to hell. Yeah. Or people actually tried to, like, create a portal to hell within this gate. I would have guessed um, that, or Catholic. Yeah, yeah, Um I was actually born and raised a mixture of both, like, Lutheran and Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, so a healthy mom- fear of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom was Lutheran, my dad was Catholic, but I went to Catholic school, K through 8, so I kind of was born and raised in that. Um, I'm a little bit more non-denominational now, I would say. Like, I don't really like identifying with either of those. Okay, um, but that would you say that played a part in your fear of yeah, the definitely. spirits? And... Yeah, because I definitely, like, I think going hand-in-hand hand with, like, believing in God, you also believe in Satan. So, like... It's I definitely the adolescent to. mind's impulse of, to, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, like, um, it also tied in with the fact that I think, all you know, it, it reminded me a lot of certain horror movies, and I definitely was kind of like, okay, this could be haunted. I don't want to, you know, because I also didn't want to affect, like, how well I was going to sleep that night yeah that, that happens sometimes like paranormal activity i couldn't sleep afterward okay um which i think some people probably will listen to this and be like ha, idiot like you got scared from paranormal oh my god are you yeah. kidding well that's i mean it's funny you bring up an interesting point about yeah. the what i love about 80s horror and uh older horror is being able to i mean it, there's multiple things but one of the big things is that i love to visually see what other horror movies 
took, what they built off of. Right, it's so right. fascinating to see, like, in, oh, man, I, I wish I had a good example. I don't know. In Child's Play, 1988, mm-hmm. when uh, the uh, first act of the film is kind of held up as, is the doll alive or is it Andy, the little boy, who's uh, really doing these murders and things? Yeah. And then by the second act, it's completely affirmed that it's the doll that's alive um but to see the idea it's like ooh, who's the real murderer is it the person or is it the you know like how annabelle takes that or how um i don't know there's it's just i find it fascinating to be able to watch a movie and go oh that's what x y and z came from that's what started this um so to hear you talk about people who might hear this and go haha you got scared by paranormal activity because i think that was 2008 Something like that. I think yeah, I Obama had just been voted. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so we had an ironic president in the office, and yeah. uh, people felt a little safer in their homes. Yeah. So it was much easier to scare people by just moving a door ajar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, that paranormal activity has a very special place in my heart as one yeah. of the f- like scariest movies I've ever yeah. seen. And I saw that at uh, Ivy Theater with all oh, those other gosh, people for the yeah. first time. Really? And I remember people in that theater being really loud and vocal in the yeah. beginning yeah. and then silent yeah, once yeah, stuff once totally. it really hit the wall. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we yeah. watched Sl- the Slumber Party Massacre mm-hmm. and um before I get in before we get into the recap really quick I just want to talk about some of the uh uh history that was going on. So, sure. the Slumber Party Massacre was screened in Fort Lauderdale, Florida in March 1982, later premiered here in LA on Friday, September 10th, 1982, before it was given Excuse me. A limited release by New World Pictures on Friday, November 12th, 1982. Great. So, what I found interesting about this is a movie all about scantily clad women in a sleepover getting drilled by an extremely phallic drill was written by a woman. And yeah, directed by a yeah, woman. Yeah, and I was actually a little bit, I was interested by that. Yeah. The director, Amy Holden Jones, and the writer, a feminist, Rita Mae Brown. I found out that Rita Mae Brown uh, wrote the original screenplay, titled it Sleepless Nights, as a parody. But mm. when the producer, when she submitted it, the producers didn't understand that it was a joke, so they repurposed it to make a serious slasher, as though it weren't a parody, against her wishes, wow. and retitled it Slumber Party Massacre. Dang. And she had to direct that. <laughs> that uh, well, then really her friend Amy Holden Jones, oh, yeah, 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 directed right, right, it. Yeah, right, right, but yeah, yeah. Um, still, yeah, uh, it's so nuts. funny that um, somebody told uh, Rita Mae Brown sat down to write uh, a feminist mirror to the slasher genre, yeah. and the producers didn't get it. Yeah, so totally. like some of the humor and like the nude scenes and things, we'll yeah. get into it. But mm. it's just from a feminist perspective, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, and this is of course coming from two men, so I apologize <laughs> in advance. But uh, I don't know. I think it's still important to talk about yeah, whether or definitely. not we have the right perspective. Sure. Um, sure. So a little bit on the director, Amy Holden Jones. I have a little blurb about here. Yeah. She was a film editor at the time. Mm -hmm. She wanted to direct and asked Francis Dole for advice. Dole, being a producer, gave Jones a number of scripts. She was given two opportunities. Direct this movie, Slumber Party Massacre, or edit Steven Spielberg's upcoming film, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. (laughs) She chose to direct her first film. Oh, no. And tweaked the script that would later become The Slumber Party Massacre. Then, going by the title, Don't Open the Door, and decided to film the first three scenes with her husband for $1,000. When she brought those three scenes made on $1,000 to the producer, Roger Corman, he was so impressed, he asked her to make the movie. Wow. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
I don't recognize her name, but do you yeah. know whose name I do recognize? Steven, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. So she just so, chose to not, yeah, get on a big budget film. I mean, edit, good yeah. for you. You, yeah, yeah. you. It's what you wanted. You wanted to be a director. You yeah, got it. Yeah. Maybe you should have been the editor on E.T. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know. What That's do you think rough. when you hear a story like that in Hollywood? Uh, we live here now. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I feel like that happens more than you'd think, or at least like there are a lot of scenarios in which people could have made like a slightly different choice and their, their career could have ended up completely differently, you know? And, uh, I mean, who's to say that, that editing on a thing like E.T. would have really given... Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, That's true, because yeah. I don't know the editor for E.T., whoever yeah. it was. Yeah. Maybe but, somebody out there knows it. Yeah. Maybe they'll tweet at me. Right, right. Maybe they probably got a lot more work, though. Well, most definitely got more work. I, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think so. When Steven Spielberg was standing over your shoulder yeah, while you were yeah. editing E.T., yeah. which I'm pretty sure got, like, Academy nominations and yeah, things at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. It was a huge film, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I found it interesting that this movie inspired two sequels. The Slumber really? Party Massacre 2 was made in 1987 by, once again, a woman... Mm-hmm. Deborah Brock wrote and directed Slumber Party Massacre 2. Then Slumber Party Massacre 3 happened in 1990, was written by Bruce Carson, a man, boo, and Sally <laughs> Madison directed it. Okay. Uh, and I was also interested to find out that uh, this movie takes place in the same universe as Sorority House Massacre, which is on wow. my list of movies to watch. It's also on Amazon. I okay. noticed it was the others, but I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anything happens in Sorority House that ties into this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the same town or the same high school yeah, or something. Can't be the same killer. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Finally, did you see the poster? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, or at least like the I saw it when I was about to watch the film, yeah. but I, I didn't look too in-depth at it. Only one of the actresses in the movie is actually on the poster. Jackie. Really? The, uh, uh, I forgot her name, but the black woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's the only one that's really? actually on the poster. None of the other women were actually in the movie. Oh, yeah. my gosh. What? And I think it's funny because the poster, uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm, I'll am i make sure it's the image on uh, SoundCloud. But if you're on the Apple Podcast app, go over to SoundCloud.com slash The Gory Days and check out this poster where we see four scantily clad women crouched down. I think they're tied up and and a disembodied headless man where his legs are spread in front of them and he's holding his drill as a clear phallic symbol. Yeah. Um, that's the poster with a couple of taglines adorning it, one including, you bring the pizza, I'll bring the drill. <laughs> Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. <laughs> and my personal favorite, the ultimate driller killer thriller. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, this is my uh, second favorite part of the podcast, where we go a little bit into the recap of uh, what happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's go for it. What the heck happens at the beginning? Oh, man. First thing we see is Trish cleaning up her room. Uh, she's taking a box full of, like, dolls and things like that, and she's emptying it out while a radio is playing on the... Uh, uh, radio is playing a news broadcast about Russ Thorne, mass murderer, killer of five, who... And she, like, turns it off because yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. There's a few moments of that where it's, like, the news is trying to give people information yeah. and they just turn it off or they ignore it or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's a trope in horror yeah, movies. Totally, and totally. it's, in my opinion, definitely some of the, like, uh, parody stuff that Rita Mae Brown was trying to get forward. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's the idea that uh, the universe is trying to help you guys mm-hmm. and you're being obstinate airheads yeah, about it. Totally. So uh, the whole thing is that... Her parents are leaving. Trish Devereaux and her mom, Annette, and dad, Mr. Devereaux, (laughs) are leaving for the weekend. Uh, And uh, Trish is going to throw a slumber party for all of her friends. Uh, And Mr. Contant, 
Weird name. Weird name. It's yeah, her yeah. neighbor, weird guy. Weird dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's offered to watch her? Yeah. Even though she's like maybe sixteen. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> they also look like way older than high schoolers too. Oh, that's a great thing too. Yeah, is yeah. in all all these movies that I watch, the the high schoolers are always like in their thirties or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting, like fully developed like females. That's a weird. Adjective. For oh, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I well, didn't I even think know. about that. Like they were just, yeah. Like it's just. I've established this on the podcast before. I am a gay man, so I don't notice some things and respond to certain things. So to you're right. They yeah. were f- all fully formed yeah, in a yeah. way that maybe six high school, fourteen to yeah, seventeen year old yeah, yeah. women shouldn't be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So she throws one of her Barbies in the garbage. Her parents drive off, and then a mysterious man picks the picks Barbie out of the yeah. garbage. What did you think? I thought um, it was Mr. Content. I know, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was Mr. Creepy Dude. Um, also, because I didn't really see how that would tie into someone like being a killer, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I totally thought it was Mr. Content, the uh, weird dude. Because I think they're yeah. In addition to the radio, there's the paper boy. He throws uh, one of the newspapers that says yeah. "Mass Murderer of Five Escapes Mental yeah, Asylum" yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, then we get a shot of uh, the two boys in this movie, Jeff and Neil, as they're walking yeah. around and they see a phone repair woman. Yeah. Or rather, they see her ass. Yeah, they see her ass and that's it. Yeah. Full, just like screen is yeah. full of her ass. And yeah. like they're watching her as she comes down and she's like kind of into it and yeah, thinks it's yeah. funny. Is she not an adult? A yeah, full yeah. grown adult phone employee yeah, with these yeah. high school boys. Yeah, high school thirty year olds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that are like joking, hitting on her and yeah, things. Yeah. Um, and then I love this. The first death is she goes in or she goes over to her van. Yeah. The door opens up and she just gets scooped up <laughs> yeah, yeah. as the boys are walking away and she's like banging no. on the door. And yeah. uh, my my favorite guest on the podcast, Derek, pointed out that is that <laughs> van soundproof? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the places in the entire like. Like everything seemed completely soundproof. Like the garage was perfectly soundproof. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. 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 I guess they couldn't hear whatsoever. Yeah. Then we skip to uh, basketball. It's a. I guess right. it's. It's not a team really. It's yeah, just it's gym like class. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's PE. Yeah. Um. And so they're instead of doing shirts versus skins, they're yeah. all on the same team and they're yeah. just playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, the high school boys are saying like, "Ooh, check out Valerie and yeah, things." Yeah. And the there's new girl. Yeah. 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 Did you ever do that? No. Like, this is a thing in, in movies a lot where it's like, hey, me and my horny friend, yeah. we're going to go crash the basketball practice, yeah. and we're going to hide out in the bleachers and yeah. watch them. You're totally not allowed to do that. No. Also, like, they don't really have, like, a, a like a guy's PE and a girl's PE, I don't think, either. Like, they don't, I don't not think anymore. they really yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny, too, because yeah. when did that could go out of fashion? I don't know, yeah. Because, like, in, in, in uh, yeah, Carrie, she's yeah. definitely in an all-girls PE class, yeah. and there's some other movies where it's, like, all-girls. Yeah. Huh. Maybe that's the thing in the 80s, because they also had that in Stranger Things, I think, too. Oh, really? Like an all-guys PE class maybe you know, doing basketball with all guys so yeah maybe, yeah That's well I mean there's I mean in this day and age there's still of course the boys and girls locker rooms sure, but then sure. after that you do kind of mix with everybody yeah, yeah. commingle they don't really at least from what I remember of high yeah. school yeah yeah same yeah <laughs> I don't know I if it's different band, though, so, it's yeah. 2017 <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know we have to be co-ed we have to be okay with everything yeah totally then they go to that infamous shower scene yeah oh yeah. man I I had to be reminded that this was directed by a woman because yeah. there are some long, lingering shots of yeah. just like, there's the chest, pew, there's the butt, yeah, and then boom, back up yeah, like yeah. one long cut. It was nuts. But did you notice what they're talking about? 
weren't they like talking about each other's tits for a second and then they're also talking about there's one else. joke about like um oh i think your tits are bigger when yeah, i was like yeah. who me and they yeah. all make a little joke but then immediately 180 to talking about each other's like basketball stats yeah like they're yeah. talking about each other's skills and saying like hey remind me not to pass to jackie she's a ball hog yeah, oh you were yeah. pretty good today yeah. they're all kind of ignoring trish and uh uh I mean, they're all kind of ignoring Valerie, Valerie the yeah. new girl. Yeah. And so Trish, our main character, goes over and says, hey, you played really good basketball today. <laughs> so it's yeah. something weird like that. Yeah, yeah. But I found that fascinating that this scene like is like porkies. You yeah. know, they should be all sudsing each other up and giggling and doing all kinds of stuff. But in actuality, they were just bathing. There wasn't yeah. really anything sexual about it, mm-hmm. even though the women there were naked. Naked. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the shots would almost lead you to think that, like, the way that they shot it would almost lead you to think that it was going to be more sexualized. Oh, I mean, it's it's 100% male gaze. Yeah, is yeah. like, this is what women look like to men. Yeah, When yeah. this is what women look like. Yeah, They're yeah. talking to each other. Totally. This is what they sound like. About pretty normal stuff. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the most obvious example of the producers not really understanding that this was a feminist parody. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um... We get out of the shower scene, and uh, they have a little locker room conversation where Trish uh, decides that she wants to invite Valerie, but the other girls, um, whose names are Jackie, Diane, and Linda. No. Jackie, Diane. Which one's the blonde one? And Kim. Kim. Jackie, Diane, and Kim are like, no, she's the new girl. She's too weird. And Valerie hears it. Yeah. Oh, no. So when uh, Trish goes over and says, hey, Valerie, I'm having a sleepover. She's like, oh, no, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And and Trish is like, she heard. Yeah. Super awkward. I think it's hilarious that they didn't assume that she heard when she was probably like 15 feet away when when she walked over and was like, hey, we're having a sleepover. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I mean, y'all definitely were. I was really worried she was going to say like, what did I do? Like, she really didn't know. But then she's like, she heard. Good. You're not an idiot. She did hear. I was actually really glad to hear that. They're just tiny little things like that. But these women aren't complete idiots. Really. Like, it's not the scary movie trope of safety, danger, run to danger, gun, banana, grab the banana. We should split up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There wasn't anything really like that it was just kind of a shitty situation that all these girls found themselves in totally yeah um so when they're leaving the shower they all walk they meet up with their friend linda and they walk past a dumpster and in that dumpster is the phone woman dead totally don't uh they totally miss it don't see it and i'm pretty sure that's a joke yeah did you laugh uh, no. <laughs> I no, couldn't no, even no. tell. Not at all. They, they show them walking, and then they do this close-up shot of the woman in the dumpster, and yeah. I was like, oh, wait, where was she? Because yeah. I didn't see her either. Right, right, yeah. <sighs> anyway, one of the girls uh, had to stick around behind Linda. She's the one that had to yeah. get some books or something books, yeah she had like an exam the next day or something and she needed to go get some stuff so yeah. she goes back inside uh the coach coach Jana says okay they're locking up yeah, so coach yeah. Jana leaves linda's locked inside the drill man yeah. uh russ thorn who has been named multiple times by now it's yeah. so crazy they give him russ thorn, russ thorn. yeah yeah <laughs> um goes inside and drills her arm at first yeah. she gets away he chases her a little bit. She's in a tiny little room. He sees the blood seeping under the door, and yeah. that's when he gets her. Yeah. Um, and then he hops back into his phone van and drives away. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting that he was just so unsuccessful with her, I guess, somehow. Like, how did he... It seemed like every other situation, he did a pretty good job of just straight up getting a drill through their head. Yeah. But, like, for some reason, he missed and got Whoops. her arm this time. Yeah. Even <laughs> though, it, yeah, she and, had no idea. And it's, like, in the school. So that yeah. what's what I'm confused is, like, what happens in the next 
day or yeah. hour because that's a crime scene people yeah, are going to yeah. find her in that school there's probably blood trails yeah, where she yeah. went so the rest of the movie must take place over like the rest of that same night because yeah. um then uh finally we get to back to the house yeah. uh and we find out a coincidence yeah. valerie lives next door yeah yeah perfect coincidence she yeah. lives next door to trish where the slumber party is going to be happening and valerie has a little sister she seems little yeah, at least yeah, she acts that way yeah, I don't know, but she yeah. looks the same age if not older yeah, she's yeah. supposed to be 14 i think but yeah courtney yeah uh so we've got valerie and courtney are next door while the slumber party is starting with trish jackie kim and diane mm. so i love this when they first show up oh well we also see Miss Jana's house where yeah, there's yeah. like a fake scare of the drill popping through the door. Yeah, God, yeah. I hate creating the peephole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I found I found out on IMDb that that was actually one of the set designers um, playing Pam, the oh, okay. the drill person who's yeah. making her peephole for mm-hmm. her. What do you think about uh, movies misusing jumps? Okay. No, I don't want to. That seems too loaded. Mm. What do you think about movies using jump scares as jokes? Uh, okay. Okay. So almost like, um, well, so for that one in particular, uh, drill. Yeah, yeah, it was just a nice little. I mean, I think it, I think it's, I I enjoy it because I think it's it's a nice little like oh okay 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 good <laughs> uh, sort of moment. Um, but I think it's a good it's a good way to obviously keep you on your toes without having to actually like escalate the 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 movie like right away. You know, because I think you want to kind of continuously keep people on edge, but without actually having to. Um, I don't know. Like, I think obviously uh, at that point there was no reason to actually get the murdering started already. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I no, mean, I agree with you. Yeah, I used yeah. to think that it was supposed to be like a a, a visual reminder that the, yeah. of the drill. Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, don't forget, don't there's forget, drill yeah. as a theme that in makes this. Sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Unless a movie is using it to that effect to mm-hmm. keep the idea or some kind of theme in mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's one just really terrible one in saw 2 saw oh, 2 okay, yeah. i love saw 2 yeah. but one of these there's one scare in it that's completely fake it's just when one character goes hey come here i found something <laughs> it's like god when you're watching a horror movie and someone comes down the stairs and goes oh, yeah, yeah yeah you forgot your wallet <laughs> hey you forgot your hat yeah, it's like yeah, oh my yeah. god yeah yeah, yeah. Just i think to, yeah, i think you. snl did a par- uh, parody sketch on that yeah, where yeah, it just keeps imagine. escalating yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's just a, yeah it's just to remind you that you're in a horror movie cuz i think sometimes obviously if you if you keep it without any sort of anxiety like that then i think like it it removes you too much from the fact that you're supposed to be on edge yeah 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 that's a good that. point yeah yeah huh like they have to yeah remind you cuz i found so many times where they get so much into like the backstory of the beginning of the film where it's all nice and it's cute yeah, and, and there's everything's even, like, happy romantic situations sometimes and then like you totally forget that you're watching a horror film <laughs> until somebody dies yeah 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 right so when they first show up to the uh when trish is first at the house with mr content her friends diane jackie and uh, Kim show up with beer, alcohol, yeah. and weed. Yeah, she yeah. rolls down like a little baggie of jo- of uh, of weed, yeah. marijuana. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting to find uh, to see a rare instance of marijuana being portrayed somewhat realistically, yeah. as it's not like a pound bag that <laughs> yeah. she has. Right. It's like a tiny little Ziploc with like a bear, like a tiny yeah, little hair yeah. of, of weed at the bottom. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it was actually a, a weirdly realistic portrayal of, of how marijuana is used. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, I got weed. This yeah. tiny little bit. Yeah, and they yeah. make like one joint with it and they yeah. smoke it and they don't go, whoa, I'm yeah, seeing yeah. elephants yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. 
stuff. They just <laughs> kind of talk about boys and kind of keep their heads on themselves, and they don't really even act stoned, yeah, really. Totally. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. That, yeah. yeah, so I didn't know what to think about that, right, though. Right. I didn't know if that was an example of the producers not realizing or if it was Rita Mae Brown. This, was, this kept happening to me. Whenever mm. something weird like that would happen in the story, it would be, I can't tell if this was Rita Mae Brown intentionally lampooning something or if this was the producers not getting that she was lampooning something because it's only in the writing another uh situation really threw me for a loop that we're getting to pretty mm. quick but what i wanted to talk about is that mr content is cool yeah yeah he's a cool <laughs> dude i won't tell anyone about your weed if you don't tell anyone about me scaring you which is weird yeah, he yeah. manages to re-creepify himself I know, yeah he's just trying to yeah like now he has some sort of leverage on them so that they And don't, it's yeah. I thought it was his house, but no, no. he lives next door. Yeah, he was yeah. just staying over watching her for a little bit. Yeah. And now he's gonna go outside and do something else, yeah, which we'll yeah. talk about. Yeah, I love yeah. what he goes outside to do, but yeah. um <laughs> first, uh Jeff and Neil have made their way to the uh slumber party and they're uh peeping toms. They're oh watching the girls smoke joints and they're watching them uh get changed yeah. uh-huh, into their pajamas and things like that. Once again, not really they're not pillow fighting, they're yeah. not practicing making out, they're not yeah. comparing boob yeah, sizes, yeah. they're talking about boys. Yeah. Which may or may not be a feminist thing. Right. I don't know. Women can talk about boys. Yeah. Doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard yeah. of that? Uh no, but like oh, the Bechdel the... test? No. Oh, the Bechdel test was made by Alison Bechdel, a sociologist slash feminist who's still alive. Okay. Um, who in any work of fiction, if any two female characters both have names, mm-hmm. exchange two lines of dialogue not about a man. Wow. That's the Bechdel test. Okay. In fact, there's an amazing podcast about it um, mm-hmm. called The Bechdel Cast uh, okay. that I highly uh, encourage you and all of my listeners to yeah. listen to because they uh, look at movies strictly through the lens of their uh, portrayal of women. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so you'd be really surprised what passes and what doesn't pass. Yeah. Uh, movies like Shrek pass <laughs> and uh, movies like the Phantom of the Opera do not. So, wow. yeah, you'd be surprised. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Um, so, let's see. The lights go out. Oh, wait, I forgot. Um, yeah. Diane has a boyfriend that we met before, John yeah. Minor, yeah, who gets yeah. a full name. He's one yeah. of those people that get like Russ Thor and gets yeah. a full name. Those are um, the only two people, I think, in the entire film who have full names. I think so. He's yeah. kind of a bimbo. He's not that important. He's going to yeah. die later. That's the only reason I bring him up now. So Diane goes outside, and she sees Mr. Content, and he's got a cleaver in his hand because she saw, uh, because he's outside chopping snails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is the best way to take... This is the only way to take care of them, he says. Yeah, is yeah. to go around with a meat cleaver, chopping yeah, them. Yeah. And as soon as he sees one more, he's about to chop it, but then it gets drilled, and that's yeah. our third death. Yeah. Um, I figure the best way to run through this movie at this point is to just go death by death. Yeah. Because then, Diane... Uh, John pulls up in his car and says, hey, let's go. And Diane says, I can't. Pull in the garage. So they make out in the garage for a little bit, and John convinces Diane, hey, let's go to my place. So Diane goes inside to tell the girls we're going to go get beer, and when she comes back to make out with John, his head falls off! Yeah, yeah. Ah! (gasps) And she tries to run out, but inside the garage is Russ Thorne, and he gets her! Yeah. So that's our one, two, three, fourth and And fifth fifth death. At this point, the girls have decided to order some pizza. Um, So... They order some pizza. Right. Meanwhile, at Valerie and Courtney's house, they've been hearing some car horn honking. They've been hearing yeah. some screaming. 
Valerie tells her daughter, uh, her sister Courtney, it's nothing to worry about. Just go upstairs. I'm going to watch some TV. Courtney goes upstairs and reads Playgirl. Playgirl yeah. <laughs> this 14-year-old uh, goes up and closes her door and opens up some some porn yeah, yeah. and uh, enjoys it and yeah. uh, they even like enjoy it together yeah, later yeah, when yeah, they're yeah. like reading the stories yeah. when Valerie catches her with right, it right. Um, what did you think of that oh I mean I maybe girls at that age kind of had the same sort of questions that guys do at that age so I don't know I mean like I, I'm I, it's interesting that they they actually brought that up or that that was like the a kind of thing that that the little 14 year old girl or whatever old courtney is um, 14 actually, like thinking about yeah no it's a, it was important oh. for me to find out okay, she is 14, 14. Okay. and she is she has access to porn yeah, and yeah. enjoys it yeah yeah no that's i mean yeah no i think they're they're it was weird about them kind of bonding about it though because it seemed like they were pretty like uh valerie was pretty not interested in in telling courtney about anything else that was going on yeah. or about her own personal stuff but then they somehow it was were just to... a little bit closer oh, yeah, yeah. there you go <laughs> but it seemed like they were kind of only or but for some reason i guess she just felt like she wanted to bond over playgirl or i don't know like this was one of those instances where i felt this was 100 percent a feminist perspective and mm. the producers just not getting it at all the idea that yeah, yeah women are sexual beings yeah. Yeah. yeah, women yeah. enjoy uh, looking at men, and yeah. Playgirl exists. There were right. people who enjoyed that. What's the big deal? Yeah. And in actuality, there isn't that big a deal. It's yeah. not even thrown up as Valerie coming, or yeah, Valerie coming and going. What are you looking at? Like, yeah. what is all this? Yeah. And so, in an article that I read on Bitch.com, a very popular <laughs> feminist wow. uh, article source talked about how this was uh, a. I don't have the quote. Just, I'm paraphrasing, of course, yeah. but the idea that this was um, an example of the male gaze in the woman's command. Hmm. So in the first half of the film, we see a lot of women's bodies from the male gaze. Valerie and uh, Courtney don't they they don't fall in line with a lot of the other things that the other girls do. Trish has a pink frilly room. She has Barbies yeah. that she's getting rid of. Valerie's or Court. God, I keep saying Valerie. Yeah. Courtney's room is like dark. Yeah. It's pretty much just the bed. We don't yeah. see anything else except for that and her like stack of playgirls and things like that. Yeah. Courtney has agency to go toward the killer and investigate things like that. They are basically to to use the sexist term they are the male impetus in this mm. but they're the females yeah. so i found that fascinating yeah. that this was uh a visual representation of the male gaze in woman's control like mm. this is the woman's gaze yeah yeah that's interesting i definitely didn't think about that but it makes sense now that i look back at it definitely so Courtney hears the honking and screaming, and she goes over to investigate. Valerie realizes that Courtney's gone, and she follows her. Um, and then the pizza arrives, yeah, and yeah. the pizza guy gets there, and his eyes are gone, yeah, yeah. and he falls flat. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh my god!" And that's when they—that's when they finally realize something's not right, yeah. and they start running around. They try to call the. Oh, <laughs> that's right. They don't call the police. Yeah, they yeah. call their coach. Yeah, yeah. They call Coach Jana. Say, yeah. "There's something wrong," yeah, and then the line yeah. gets cut. Yeah, yeah. And then Miss Jana calls Valerie, and uh, they. Oh, and that's when they say, "Hey, you should go." Check it out. I'm going to yeah. go over myself. And yeah. so so Miss Jen is on her way. Valerie's on her way. Courtney's on her way. Everyone's yeah. coming to the house. Right. Russ Thorne may or may not already be there because the pizza guy just got his eyes drilled out. Yeah. That's when Jeff and Neil decide to split up. Yeah. So was, this, uh, yeah. <laughs> this, I think, calls back to what you were talking about because... 
it's what kills them. If they yeah. had stuck together, they probably would have survived. Totally. But they decide, knowingly, one of us will die. Yeah. You will go to Mr. Contant's house, and yeah. I'll go to Valerie's house. Yeah. And so when they split up, uh, Russ Thorne gets one of them, and the other one that went to Valerie's house is banging on the door, banging on the door, and Valerie can't hear her because she's uh, listening to a movie. I guess she hasn't left yet. She can't hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny because it's like the action in the movie is reflecting what's happening in real life. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a film term for that, but... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I Visual feel, yeah. irony? I yeah, don't know. yeah. Or some sort of parallel. Definitely. But he gets stabbed to death. Yeah. Yeah. And then a pretty funny shot of Russ Thorne carrying the body back to a uh, trunk. Yeah, yeah. A different trunk than the telephone van. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like car stuffing the bodies in. Yeah. That honestly... Them, which is interesting. Huh? And he was counting them. He counts too. them and realizes like, oh, one's, one's missing. missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was Jeff who's crawling away trying to get back to the, the yeah, house. Yeah. Um, and I think the... Uh, the girls inside the house witness him die like through the window I think like he's going like help help or I think he's like at the door like kind of clawing at it and they think that it's Russ uh, oh okay yeah and they're like uh, like we shouldn't we should what if it's one of them and they're like no, no oh no, oh no, that's no. right because yeah. then what happens is um Val uh Valerie and Courtney get to the door yeah Courtney sees Valerie before Valerie sees Courtney and Courtney hides yeah. Valerie gets to the front door and knocks on it mm. when she doesn't hear anything she leaves inside the house Jackie says we need to open the door yeah. it's help she yeah. opens the door and Russ Thorne yeah. slices her throat With a drill yeah. and she dies um, oh, I forgot. I forgot to mention before Jackie died, uh, while they were still inside the house, Jackie was really hungry. So she has this yeah. wonderful line about, um, the pizza's guys, he's dead. Yeah. He's cold. Is the pizza? <laughs> yeah. So then she proceeds to take the pizza out of his dead hands yeah. and then put it on his dead body. And eat from it. And eat the pizza right oh, off of man. it. It's a good, like, comedic relief in the middle of a really, really gnarly but situation. But once again, like, not really played comedically or yeah, even yeah. set up comedically. Yeah. But it is really funny. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So yeah, that's how Jackie dies. She gets her throat slit, and that's yeah. what makes them afraid to listen to Valerie anymore. Because one of them goes, Kim says to Trish, "We got to go help Valerie." And mm. Trish says, "What if she's helping the killer?" Yeah, yeah. Valerie is the new girl. We don't yeah. really know a lot about her, and she did just knock on the door and <laughs> then <laughs> Rust killed Jackie. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty smart. Yeah, it was Trish being taking information. And learning from it. Right, right. And making informed decisions yeah, based on it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to comment also on uh, rerunning for like a hot second. The uh, I was I thought it was really interesting the uh, when the guys go up to the the door when the pizza guy's at the door and uh, they say, All right, what's what's the damage so far? And then through the door he says, Six so far. Or I loved like that. that. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting, kinda um like Once again, a joke? Yeah. Like a joke or at least kind of a yeah, like Dark know, yeah, comedy. It was, really, it was a really funny moment, or just like a like a, oh, like that was interesting. Like I'm, I also thought like okay, six, I, and I started counting. Six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was six. It was six. It was it was five, and I was like, and what? The pizza guy. And the yeah, pizza guy yeah, is yeah, there. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, like, yeah, ah, yeah. yeah. That's a nice little like yeah, like you know what's up. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was cool. Um, so yeah, Jeff and Neil die. Jackie dies. Kim and Trish are holed up in her room with some knives. Uh, 
the killer gets Kim. Uh, that's when Miss Jana, Coach Jana, arrives because what happens is yeah. Russ Thorne kills Kim, yeah. goes downstairs, lays down, and covers himself in a tarp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was, I was like, what is he doing? Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Because right. Coach Jana comes in and immediately goes for yeah. the, the, the body covered under a tarp. Yeah, yeah. And it's him. And oh no, they have a fight. Uh, yeah. One of them with a fire poker. But um, I'm pretty sure before that, Miss Jana, uh, Coach Jana opens up the refrigerator and Kim falls out. Oh, uh, is that what happens? I Did think they so. Have him in a fridge? Uh, well, that's the thing. Fridge? It's an actual plot hole because. Yeah. Russ Thorne stabs Kim upstairs in Trisha's room, yeah. then goes downstairs and covers himself in the sheet. Yeah. S- Kim somehow got stuffed into the refrigerator right, at right. that point. Ooh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Does, it doesn't make any sense right, that he was right. able to do that in the matter of time. So Perfect. anyway, this yeah. final fight uh, between uh, Miss Jana and Russ, uh, Coach Jana and Russ. Coach Jana has a fire poker. Russ Thorne has his uh, drill. They're going nuts. Um... Eventually, Trish, uh, who was hiding under the couch, like pulls his foot or something, and that's what gives Jana the upper hand to bonk him on the head with the uh, fire poker. Yeah. How do they end up outside at the pool? Oh, how do they end up outside? I was also going to say there was also that moment too where I think it was Trish was hiding in like the closet. That's like, right, and her, she like, stabs clothes. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she gets one good stab in the yeah. back. No, Coach Jana bonks him. I, I guess they just run out to the yeah. pool. Man, I feel bad. I can. I always have a really hard time remembering the ends yeah. of these movies. I think he gets like knocked out, but then immediate. Or no, no, no. They're still like inside when he gets like knocked out, because then he just like immediately like wakes back up. Or That's something. right. And yeah. like he's still got the knife in his back or something. Yeah, he comes yeah. all the way outside, uh, and basically, Trish. Or no, Valerie comes down. Valerie mm. has been hiding out in the house. She was in the basement where she found a machete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she takes the machete, comes up from the basement, runs at Russ Thorne, who has his uh, drill like he's gonna swat at her like a sword or something, yeah, yeah. and she chops it in half. Yeah, thus castrating Russ Thorne. Mm. Another interesting thing I read from Bitch, right, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is uh, the idea that he's being essentially emasculated yeah, right there. Yeah. Um, and right before he did that, right before Valerie came out to chop off his uh, drill bit, uh. Russ Thorne speaks for the first and only time. Yeah. Do you remember what he says? Uh, something about really like creepy. wanting it, too, right? Or like, you, yeah. want, you want this. He says, or... all of you were very pretty. I love you. You know you want it. You'll love it. It takes a lot of love for me to do this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just, like, just putting that goddamn icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For like who this guy represents. Yeah, totally. He represents the the kind of guy who can't keep it in his pants. Yeah, totally. who, who's who's whipping it out and smacking girls with it at the club, and is <laughs> yeah. just being an absolute arrogant male chauvinist. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. so he gets the absolute punishment for that. Right. Gets his drill bit cut off, uh, and his then hand too, right? That's right. He gets his hand cut off with yeah. the machete. His drill bit cut off, uh, and then he, oh, gosh, I can't remember the first. It's there's like a fake death. Yeah. Well. Well, he, he, is oh, it just he, the hand getting cut off? Well, he falls into the pool, right? That's like, uh, does he fall in twice? Because oh, no, when I thought he, he only falls in once and then he comes out and then, I don't... Because mm. that the, oh God, I feel terrible <laughs> about this. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, Russ yeah, Thorne, yeah. there's a big fight and Russ Thorne goes down and they're all like, oh, we made it, we made it. But, oh, one more big scare. Russ yeah. Thorne's still alive. He lunges at Trish. Trish has the machete or maybe Valerie. I don't even freaking remember yeah, at this yeah. point, but he 
gets impaled on the machete and then stands up, falls back into the pool, and all the blood fills that pool, which apparently ruined it, the pool that they filmed in. Oh, really? (laughs) And the actor, Michael Valella, the guy who played um, Russ Thorne, didn't know how to swim, and that pool was freezing. So he hated having to do that. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Wow, okay. (laughs) So that's the movie of... uh, Oh, okay, and then the, the, the final shot is... Trish, Valerie, and Courtney hugging each other while sirens are heard in the background. Yeah. And it sounds like finally something's going to be done about all of this. Yeah. So that's the movie of the Slumber Party Massacre, a 1982 <laughs> feminist majesty. I don't know what yeah. I want to say about this. But like lost in translation because the like male producers were like, no, I don't know what. No, well, that's what I want to talk about. Movie, a yeah. little bit of our analysis. I want to yeah. talk about like the 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 the. The climate that we're in right now. Sure. I'm sure you've read about it. I'm sure it's yeah. hard to avoid at this point. The right. Harvey Weinsteins, the yeah. Kevin Spaceys, uh, the Louis C.K.s, yeah. the the rest of them. Yeah. And it's not just relegated to this industry, mm-hmm. but this podcast is. So yeah. I want to stick to this industry sure. as we talk about the relationship between men in power and women, period. Especially yeah. in these movies. I don't know. You come from a YouTube world. Mm-hmm. Is Has it pervaded anything? Um, divine, wait, pervaded? Uh, what is the definition of pervaded? Oh, uh, like permeated. Has, permeated, it, has yeah. it infected the YouTube sure. scape? Um, I find that YouTube is a little bit more... I, I would say no. Not for Good. the most part. I think like uh, there are a, a couple of scenarios, and they usually get exposed real quick when there are people who, who do uh, take advantage of women or things like that. Like There have been um, certain guys who have used their YouTube celebrity to get with girls, but then also kind of take advantage of them a little bit, um, which is definitely not great. But um, I think for the most part, uh, YouTube's like a very politically correct, very, uh, I don't know, uh, that stuff doesn't really happen when it does. Everyone hops on the train of... of of exposing these people because that's so. what it takes at the end it yeah. takes a pressure it takes a yeah. an amount of people larger than than their power can yeah. can withstand totally. something to overwhelm just like a peer pressure mentality yeah and i don't know i don't know if i want to say it's a shame that that's what it takes yeah. because at least it takes something now yeah, right, right once upon a time it didn't seem like anything would stop it yeah yeah definitely so this movie is unique. Um, mm. Some of the other movies that I've uh, watched for this podcast, I've found out that, uh, like, for instance, um, I believe, mm, was it Pumpkinhead or maybe Chopping Mall? One of those other movies. I think it was Chopping Mall. <laughs> These are great names. I love Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall was pretty great. Um, I'm, yes, really it was good. Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall was directed by Jim Wynorski. Jim Wynorski, who also, it's funny, he has his fingers in every pie, who also directed Sorority House Massacre 2, which takes place in this realm, uh, created Chopping Mall and wrote Chopping Mall just basically to date and have sex with this one actress. And he went on record in 2014 in an interview saying, yeah, I kind of wanted to bang this one chick, but she wouldn't do it. So I hired this other chick who was down for anything, something like that. And that was in 2014. So to see this be written and directed by two women at the time, whether or not it was produced, but that seems like a huge get to me. Yeah. And especially to get this kind of product out of it. Right, That at the end of the day, it's male money and a male gaze that's governing this. And they still were able to get these little things out. Yeah. Hmm. And it seems like that's the best they could hope for at the time. Right, right, yeah. I can imagine, yeah, women didn't really expect 
or like think that equality was necessarily even a thing. Have I made like, you uncomfortable? No, no, talking no, no, about no, this. No, okay, no, 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 we're all good. I like I'm definitely totally comfortable. I think um, I, it's really challenging me to think about like what my perspective is on all of this but yeah because i've never really obviously relayed 80s horror into like uh the kevin spacey whatnot or the whatever you know but um you never know on the gory days no totally yeah yeah um man i mean yeah i think it's interesting like the fact that two women like it almost seemed like the guys just had no concept that women were trying to kind of get in a little bit of uh atypical like actual feminism sort of situations in there they kind of were like oh no i mean whatever it's it's a horror movie well let's talk about feminism now sure versus feminism then yeah feminism now is much i mean twitter Mm. and the social media platforms that pretty much give the life to uh movements like feminism like the hashtag me too movement like the hashtag this is what anxiety is like movement Mm -hmm. and all of these things um it's much more crowdsourced than it ever was before it's not one person who gets a feminist degree goes on some marches and then writes several books and goes on cnn and talks about things Mm -hmm. it's more about like we said before a peer pressure mentality Mm -hmm. that oh there are so many people who think like me or who don't like the things I also don't like yeah. that I, I suddenly don't feel alone anymore. Right. And maybe that's what the people who would go on the news and the Daily Show and, and things and talk about their feminist books were trying to do. But in my opinion, and I'd love to hear yours, it yeah. seems so much more effective to get not the celebrity, not the person up on the mountain, not yeah. the person who may or may not have it all, but the neighbor, the person who yeah. just is going through the same thing you are, including your bill, including the yeah. uh, garbage piling up or yeah, the dog yeah. you have to walk. Yeah, totally. I, I actually 100% agree with that because I think um, it, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, with celebrities, it's like, okay, yeah, but like... They're, I don't really know them. They don't. That doesn't really affect me. But then when you actually find out that you know with the hashtag Me Too thing, it's, it's like on my Facebook page, I had like fifty to like a hundred of my friends like talking about this stuff, and it kind of like brings more of a of a. It's like a bigger statistic almost. You know, it's like oh my god, something like you can't my, ignore. Yeah, and like it's all my friends. It's all the people I care about. You know, and I think um, I, I really. I mean, I. I I got really sad reading all of the Me Too stuff, but it was really great that something like that happened where, where a lot of, you know, women felt um, empowered to be able to divulge that kind of information because I think for a while they definitely lived in fear of, um, I don't know, getting any sort of, or thinking that they're alone in that. And I, obviously I think with something like Me, the Me Too, it's like, wow, oh my gosh, like this is a much more prevalent issue than we totally would have thought. It's not just one celebrity. It's not just one anything. It's... Oh my gosh, yeah. Everywhere. No. And in this particular industry, it's it's tough because it relies on a discrepancy of power. Yeah. A difference in I have nothing. I'm from Montana and I yeah. moved here to Hollywood cuz yeah. I want to be a celebrity. I want to be a big star. Mm-hmm. And some big Hollywood guy who's literally never been told no yeah. because he can pay off anyone who does. Right. <sighs> yeah. The imbalance of power definitely in the male and the, on the male side has definitely led to some some really really sketchy stuff that I mean you're yeah. a YouTube uh, a potential YouTube you I'm sorry you are a YouTube celebrity <laughs> sure, sure, you are a it, firmly yeah. established YouTube celebrity mm. and may or may not be a target for it being taken advantage of in those sure. ways have you 
felt that you need to kind of be on your uh, toes? Have so, people tried? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think I, I've experienced it sometimes where I think I, I, I've noticed that people's perspectives of me or the amount that they're willing, they're interested in, in getting to know me or, or getting in contact with me has definitely changed um, over time when they kind of see like, oh, Danny has influence. Danny has uh, power, I guess, you know, um, and, uh, I've even found that people, you know, have wanted me to help promote certain things or, or like, uh, I need, uh, like even like a GoFundMe for like a college, like I need help paying my college tuition. Danny, can you help promote my whatever? And it's interesting cause I have a hard time saying no. I usually come up with a weird excuse or something, or I usually say, I got to run it through my management. Like you like owe a, them. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. Um, but I am usually willing to help out whenever I can. Um, because I, I know that I, with, with the popularity I've gained, I've also gained like a way to expose people all over the world to things that might need to, like, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I can help in that sense. Like that's something I have to offer. Um, do you feel a responsibility to, uh, because you can, yeah, I think so. I, I, I feel a little bit like I need to. Uh, like that's well, yeah. It's like as a friend, like that's something that I can contribute with. If I don't feel like I'm necessarily um, contributing in other ways, as like a friend to people, like maybe I can, if anything, like promote something that they have. I don't know. Um, but that's also me being like, imp- I have a hard time saying no just in general. So whenever people usually ask me to do stuff, I'll usually, I'll usually do it for them. But well, uh, we want to make sure you're yeah. safe out there. Yeah. And yeah. listeners, we also want to make sure you're safe if you're actor, or singer, or a voiceover <laughs> artist, or anything that relies on your creative merit. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Don't just take the first big apple that falls from that tree because you never know where it's been. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else overarching things about this movie that you wanted to talk yeah, about? Well, I, so I, I mean, one thing that I was thinking of earlier is like, are there, well, question I guess I had for you because you're the, more of the, the knowledgeable expert in the 80s and, and early 90s horror uh, genre. Uh, are there many, like is a drill a common murder weapon? Um, that you Not in my in, experience. I feel no. like... That's the motorized like, thing yeah. is common, but okay, yeah, but a drill. Yeah, yeah. I feel like chainsaws are way more you know, big like time. Justice Chainsaw Massacre and all that kind of stuff. Like that seems way more like useful, even. Well, it's funny to trace the history of it. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, was 1974. Oh wow! And so from that point on, mm. pretty much, you see uh, from like 1974 to around now, 1982 to 1985, a lot of people use uh, like weapons like chainsaws mm. augers um uh, uh lawnmowers um oh a lot of different things like that yeah. uh and then as like the decade gets on you get more just like robots and just like technological yeah. like chopping mall yeah, had yeah, robots yeah. i think that was 1988 mm-hmm. um or uh yeah so that's yeah. a great question um yeah. i hope i answered it right uh, right well yeah, enough. I, I i watch a lot of uh serial killer type shows you know like i'll watch like criminal minds dexter i love dexter oh. um stuff like that and, and uh, i usually am really interested in kind of the the mo and the murder weapon and the stuff like that and i just thought like the whole time i was thinking like is this like a really really popular thing to use drills because like i can't imagine it's that effective especially when he was like it's really loud for one and And like it doesn't seem like it could actually do the things that it did in the film no like like, cut yeah yeah like how do you slice someone's stomach open with a drill like it's supposed to just go forward it's not supposed to be able to yeah so i thought that that was interesting um that they i mean but at the same time i mean it's cool that they tried something different besides just a knife or a gun or something i thought it was pretty cool it's unique it's kind of weird because it's called the slumber party massacre and it has nothing to do with a drill right 
and Russ Thorne just kind of has a drill, yeah, and yeah. he seems really into it. Yeah, like this yeah. is this is my thing. This yeah, is what yeah. I'm all about. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do. There's right, no right. pun. Yeah, there's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah, and they don't go back like into the background of like him as a killer. Like what would lead him to want to use a drill? Yeah, he clearly yeah. has a history. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's so funny. Is that Russ Thorne is an escaped serial killer mm. who had a record of killing five people in in California, yeah. escaped and got this drill and went yeah. killing. I don't know. Yeah, There's so yeah. little explained, and I think like that's intentional. That sure, you know, he's yeah. just kind of the scary thing. Yeah. That does bring up a theme though that I totally forgot about. That's uh, kind of common in this era is. Mm fear of the mentally unstable or mm. the mentally ill even yeah. just people with uh, a mental illness is yeah. is a potential serial killer a crazy yeah. a yeah. quote-unquote crazy right right um i don't know how do you feel about that that i can imagine that's probably a lot different from how it is now where i can imagine back then mental illness was probably not as discussed it probably wasn't as well normal well in the 80s um uh President Ronald Reagan at the time was closing the mental institutions, which led to oh. a huge increase in homeless. Right. So essentially, yeah, the uh, insane people were out. They were out yeah, and about. Right, they could right. be anywhere. They could yeah. be in your alley. They could be in yeah. your backyard. Yeah, and there's probably a huge amount of fear around that too, of just like, oh, like they could. They're they're insane and probably serial killers. <laughs> As somebody with diagnosed depression and anxiety, I take offense to that. And I usually identify with character. I mentioned this on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm -hmm. episode because Leatherface is usually portrayed as being just mentally ill mm -hmm. and not really a, a killer of his own volition, but he's mm -hmm. in... He's pushed into it by his family, his yeah. equally mentally ill family. Mm. So uh, to see Russ Thorne kind of just thrust into the mental uh, serial killer uh, thing and not really... I guess he embodies it. He doesn't yeah. talk the whole time, and he yeah. seems to have a really weird... You know what? Now that I'm talking myself through it, he is a really damaged man. He has something happened to him. Right, something right. happened to Russ Thorne that made him completely villainize women yeah. in a way that's not unlike the real world. Hmm. God, even in our personal history, unfortunately, we yeah. have some experience with people demonizing women to the point yeah. of taking violent action on others. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> bringing up the Elliot Roger. I am. That's exactly yeah. what I'm bringing up. Yeah. This, this, this. It, so Russ Thorne paints a realistic picture of a crazy. Of uh, yeah. here I am using the word crazy, yeah. but yeah. a dangerous yeah. person who m may have a treatable thing, but is just out. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say Russ Thorne is a sympathetic yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe, yeah. Maybe somebody just needed to sit down and talk to yeah, him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> but it also seemed like he's a little bit of a sexual sadist. Where that's what I it mean. It felt yeah. like he was like, yeah, like having sex with these people when he was killing them almost. Oh. Or maybe? No, that's a great point. In I didn't, that, of course. Like, of course he is. Especially with like the phallic. The phallic. The way he holds it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's as if he's. I don't know. Maybe he was impotent. Maybe he was. Oh. I don't know. That's my, my, my criminal minds background. Usually that's when, great. When they have like a. Yeah, like there's anything where it seems like they're kind of like vicariously having sex through their murders, then it, it's it's as if they're impotent in real life, and that's how they're getting it out. Almost. Maybe that, maybe Russ Thorne has a grandma who cut off his penis. 
<laughs> because he was being a bad boy and Ooh. she was crazy. Yeah. And now she, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. What, I mean, that's what happened to what's his face in um, Red Dragon. <laughs> I'm oh, lifting yeah, that yeah. from the Hannibal okay, uh, yeah, mythos. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to say about that drill is uh, on IMDb, it mentions that the drill is in no way portable. That is a yeah. gas powered drill that needs to be plugged in to use. <laughs> so the way he's using it yeah, would yeah. never work. It yeah. could never happen. And also, that's it would funny. be insanely loud. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Like, it seemed like every single, and I think that's a that's a a, a common trope in horror movies is that it just feels like uh, homes and like any any place where like the murders happen it's it's so soundproof yeah like uh, like you could be upstairs and not hear a murder downstairs yeah whereas yeah. in any normal home you would hear someone screaming downstairs like if, if we be quiet right now I think we could hear our neighbors darn <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, well yeah so here comes you, my yeah. first favorite part mm-hmm. excuse me here comes my first favorite part of uh, the gory day show where we talk about our rating we go mm. uh, and we talk about what we thought about the movie based on whatever we want rating it on a scale of zero to five thumbs Ooh. zero being the worst five being the best yeah. Danny what did you think of the slumber party massacre Oh man, the thing is, I I would love to watch more '80s films to be able to like compare and contrast. Because obviously, right now I'm comparing to like modern horror films, where it's like very clearly like those do a better job of scaring the shit out of me and uh, stuff like that. Um, it also felt like there was a lot to be explained. We didn't know anything about the backstory of Russ other than something was going on. Um, I also thought there would be a twist, or of sorts. Like I, I it was almost setting like up for a twist because it almost felt way too straightforward. Like, it's just a dude who wants to murder everyone there. Like, that Valerie was helping him? Yeah, or something. Or, like, that, yeah, like, I thought something maybe was gonna... But they also, like, revealed his face, like, so early on that, like, you could... It was not, like, an anonymous uh, person doing all this. Like, you could tell it wasn't Mr., uh, what was creepy? Mr. Content. Yeah, yeah, you could tell it wasn't him because it was a different face. Um, hmm. Man, will you be upset if I don't rate it well? Oh, no, I don't care. (laughs) Uh, zero to five thumbs. Uh, I'd give it, like, a... after we talked about it, I feel like I've actually re- increased my rating because it, it you did bring light to a lot of things that I definitely looked over when I was actually watching it as far as like the also because I didn't think about the the women um, the the woman director and writer um, trying to like kind of slip in the stuff that di- typically isn't portrayed in in film and horror films in particular. I'd probably give it like a two or a three thumbs okay um, uh, do you want me to choose specifically between the two? No, like, no, no, you don't official? have to. Okay. 2.5 thumbs. That's then. fine, but yeah. traditionally we do assign the thumbs. So okay. who do these thumbs belong to? Ooh, like... Uh, like characters. Oh, uh, oh man, uh, Mr. Content. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I, probably to uh, Courtney gets a thumb. Okay. Um, I think, um, oh man, who else should, who deserves a thumb? Uh the two horny dudes with, um, <laughs> they share one the exact like they well they they acted like they were like 12 years old um as far as like how much they let their dick control them um but but if i'm actually going for like quality and stuff actually like Courtney's character oh the uh the the one pizza line gets a thumb okay um <laughs> and um definitely i don't know i think that was all of them yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'll give it to the Courtney, the pizza line, and uh, oh, and also um, the half thumb that I, if I give it two and a half thumbs, I'll give the half thumb to the uh, the the one line where he's, uh, yeah, what's what's the damage? Six so far. <laughs> Six I'll so give far. It to that line. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I definitely wasn't necessarily scared. Um, it kind of felt a little predictable. Um, like I knew it was going to happen. Um, and I'm pretty sure I, I like definitely kind of just assumed that he wasn't going to get out alive. 
Like someone was gonna put up an actual fight, and they were gonna, yeah, but yeah. What, what, do you cool. also get to give it a rating? Oh too? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. The Slumber Party Massacre doesn't even do what it set out to do better than the other movies that came out at the time. That said, it never really said it was going to. What it did do better than those other movies is present a feminist perspective within a male-designed movie, which I found remarkably refreshing. Um, Like I said, Carrie tells this story... um, in a different way, at least leading up to before she gets her superpowers and things like that. So there are other movies that I can point to that tell, you know, like the fish out of water Valerie story. This movie has two protagonists with Trish and Valerie. Very bizarre. Um, I like, uh, I like the, uh, seriousness that the women carry themselves i love the agency that valerie and courtney have uh bearing on the plot even miss janna bears on the plot when she arrives at the end she's the thing that um leads to his final demise the movie is not scary in the slightest there isn't even one scene where i'm like "Ooh, that was scary there's more of the scenes that i laugh at and things like that so with that in mind Gosh, I did enjoy the feminine, the, the the feminist stuff of it. So, mm. I'm gonna give it three thumbs. Ooh. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid three. One thumb is going to go to Russ Thorne's uh, severed hand. Mm. I believe it's his left hand, um, yes. maybe his right, but one of those thumbs. Yeah, yeah. Another thumb is going to go to. Uh, Oh, Trish's dad, Mr. Devereaux, who is so busy, he doesn't even get a first name. Yeah, He's got to yeah. go. He's got to yeah. go. We're going to be come, late. Yeah. He's so important. Love it. And the last thumb is going to go to Muffin, Miss Jana's cat, that oh. gets one of the jump scare jokes. Yeah, uh, yeah. She goes into a closet and the cat jumps out. And yeah. I've definitely done that with my cats. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate That's that. Um, so, yeah, those are my three thumbs. I'm going to give the last one a little dew claw to Muffin. Yeah. I'm glad that your 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 thumb awards were were about as arbitrary as mine. As far as like, I was concerned that your thumb awards were gonna be like like actually like I I'll give oh. a thumb to like I really appreciated this 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 you know yeah. But you gave it to like his hand and stuff. So. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Perfect. No, I'm not gonna set you up for that. Yeah yeah totally. I'm I'm also glad that our ratings weren't that far off. I was scared that I was gonna give it like a one. And you're gonna give it like a five, <laughs> and I was just gonna shit all over like a film that you love. <laughs> well, Danny yeah. Padilla, thank you so much for joining me no here on problem. the Gory Days. Where can people find you oh man youtube.com slash danny padilla or on instagram or twitter or facebook at either danny padilla or danny j padilla you'll find me it'll it'll show up but on youtube i'm the first thing that shows up if you type in my name so yeah fantastic first with a bullet yeah yeah well everybody thanks for listening to the gory days next week we'll be watching another fantastic film be sure to read the description for the announcement of what that is and please please tweet at the gory days follow us on soundcloud.com slash the gory days and on instagram.com and let us know your thoughts on next week's film so i can read them on the air i keep leaving time for a segment to read your tweets and your thoughts and there are none i don't blame (laughs) you that's okay but please I would love to know if you wanted to know how Kim got in the fridge. <laughs> Tune in next time on the Gory Days. Stay scary out there. The Gory Days. If you want your thoughts on each week's movies heard on the podcast, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at the Gory Days, and look for more episodes each and every week on the Apple Podcast app. See you next time. The Gory Days.